Um, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over our time this morning as we move through Scripture together. So Jesus, we say that you take these tithes, these offerings, these gifts, um, that they would come from a place of joy inside of us, that we don't give out of obligation. We don't give in order to get. We don't give because we think you're going to be mad at us if we don't give. We give out of generosity. We give out of a place of joy and participation. So we give um, with grateful hearts, knowing that you're the giver of all gifts. So we give back and ask you to bless that in our time together. And thank you uh, for what you're doing, what you did in the first service. We thank you for what you're doing now, even in our midst, the things that we're not even aware of, um, of what's coming next. We're grateful and we anticipate that and ask that you would surprise us this morning. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you're uh, any, any kids in the room, I'm going to invite you to go uh, with Chelsea. You guys are going to launch into your time uh, uh, of teaching and growing in the way of Jesus. So if you want to go with Chelsea, Chelsea's right over here to my left, the beautiful Chelsea. Everybody wave at Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. It's so nice to see you. Go with our blessing. So Pastor Jeff is up in the Pacific Northwest uh, Pastor Jeff's son, Forrest, is getting married this week. He's, he's at that place in life where he's about to say yes to the altar, and Jeff will be doing the, the wedding. His family's up there. I know some of uh, our family here is going to be going up to the Pacific Northwest to celebrate with Forrest. So keep them in your prayers. Um, Pastor Sarah and her family are in Hawaii, and they're actually flying back right now as I speak. I hope they're in the air. And they're on their way back. So um, usually the third person in command is me. So it goes down the tier. They're going to let the guitar player talk this morning. <laughs> so I apologize ahead of time. Here we go. Um, I'm going to ask you all uh, to take out your sheets this morning. And um, on the back, there's a passage of scripture that comes out of Ephesians. So we're going to look at the beginning of this letter that Paul has written to a community of Jesus followers. And it's interesting how Paul begins his letter. And so I want to start here this morning and then see where the journey takes us. So I want us to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And we're going to read this. And I'm going to read, move through this, invite you to listen, tune in. This is the word of God. These are living, breathing, inspired words. They're not just words on a page, but these words somehow are shaping and forming us with mystery and with his Holy Spirit. It says this, I, Paul, am writing this letter. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus, just as God planned. I'm sending this letter to you, God's holy people in Ephesus, because you belong to Christ Jesus. You're faithful. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Give praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Those blessings come from the heavenly world. They belong to us because we belong to Christ. God chose us to belong to Christ before the world was created. He chose us to be holy and without blame in his eyes. He loved us. So he decided long ago to adopt us. He adopted us as his children with all the rights that children have. He did it because of what Jesus Christ has done. It it pleased God to do this. All those things bring praise to his glorious grace. God freely gave us his grace because of the one he loves. We have been set free because what Christ has done. 
We have been set free because of what Christ has done. Are you with me? Okay. (laughs) Because he bled and died, our sins have been forgiven. We have been set free because God's grace is so rich. He poured his grace on us by giving us great wisdom and understanding. He showed us the mystery of his plan. It was in keeping with what he wanted to do. It was what he planned through Jesus. It will all come about when history has been completed. God will then bring together all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So we ask you now, Jesus, to open us up to the truth that we just read, that these would not just be abstract, informational words on a page, but that somehow these words would translate into the here and now and all the stuff that we're dealing with. The stories that we find ourselves in, the places that we find ourselves in, that these words would move off the page and into those stories and begin shaping and forming us as we do our best to try to make sense of all that's happened, all that is happening and all that will happen. We ask that your spirit would lead and direct and that we will follow wherever you ask us to go. I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you first and foremost and then be edifying and gift-giving to this community. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want to work through three things this morning. First of all, I want to talk about stories. I think stories are important, and we're going to talk about God's story, because I think God is telling a story about us. Then I want to talk about the stories that we tell ourselves, and I'm curious, you don't have to show me your hands, but I'm wondering if God's story that he's telling about us and the stories that we tell about ourselves are actually syncing up. I wonder how, how well they sync. And then I want to talk about dinner parties because dinner parties are really interesting and fascinating, wouldn't you agree? You get at a dinner party, you break out some food, you sit at a table. Sometimes the discussion can be really shallow and sometimes it can be really invigorating. But there's something really cool that happens when you sit down and you have a meal together. So we're going to talk about dinner parties and then we're going to talk a little bit about math. Because why not? And all the engineers, all the engineers in the room are going, finally, we're talking about something that really matters. <laughs> math. Something concrete that we can hold on to. All right? So that's where we're headed this morning. Um, I, I was uh, beginning with how, how we tell ourselves stories. I, I feel like I have this uh, narrative that goes on inside of my head. And sometimes it's just incessant. It, like, it's like the same thing over and over again that gets played on loop or shuffle mode. Like I press the button, I wake up in the day and there's just like, I don't know if anything new is going on in here. It just seems like a lot of the same old, same old just spins around this brain. Are you with me? It's just like, and a a lot of it is negative if we're really honest. There's so much negativity um, that I bend towards, uh, especially when I'm driving. There's a lot of negative energy that comes out. Um, There's a lot of negativity in the workspace and when we're dealing with people because, like we said, conflict is very easy to deal with. But all this negativity in this loop, and there's a story that I'm telling myself. And as I listen to myself and as I listen to other people and am journeying through life with people, I I see some consistencies in, in me, but I also see this pattern in others that we have a tendency to either live in the past or we live in the future but we rarely, rarely know how to live in the moment. 
And we've heard this, this vernacular in our, in our society. A lot of people are talking about this right now. But when I think about my own pattern, when I have a tendency to live in the past, the past, uh, for many of us, is full of regret. And what it can bring up is depression, the past. Because we're dealing with what ifs and we're dealing with shoulds, like I should have done this and what if I had done this differently and I missed my opportunity here. And so we kind of get just ruminating in the past that brings up all sorts of regret. Or we're living in the future, which I think I am really excellent at doing. But what it does for me is it only increases anxiety inside of me. So I live with all of this anxiety in my, my stomach and in my body because I'm always trying to predict the future for me. And so I live in this state of anxiety many times. And what I find is that I'm either living back here with all of the what ifs and the shoulds or I'm living over here with all of the anxiety and again, like what's gonna happen? And what I have a hard time doing is, is really just living in the moment and enjoying what's in front of me right here, right now. Enjoying the person or the interaction or just enjoying the moment or a song comes on the radio or on my Spotify playlist that I absolutely love. You know, just like an old song. Like the other day I was in the car and like an old Def Leppard song came on. I was just like, man, I love Def Leppard. I'm from the 80s, so it's okay. But living in that space of just being able to enjoy the moment, being able to enjoy what God has for me right here and right now is a very, very difficult. I was thinking this week that it's uh, ex- about exactly one year ago this week um, I came stumbling into Hillside. And um, I've been here for a year now. And uh, it's like getting here was really bumpy and it was really difficult. It was a very difficult season in my own journey as a pastor. And um, getting here, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't like one of those really nice landings that you get from Southwest. It just felt like, <laughs> it felt like one of those landings you get when you fly into Denver and you're just kind of like, it, the wind's taking you up and around and you just land hard. And coming into Hillside was a hard landing for me, but by the grace of God, I'm here. And I was uh, reflecting back on how I got here and I had the privilege of uh, working with a spiritual mentor of mine who's now a life coach, and his name is Pastor Ron Short. Ron Short um, is a retired pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church. He uh, planted a church in the Sacramento area called um, Lake, Lake Hills Covenant Church and pastored that church for over 20 years. Uh, Shannon and I were on staff at that church and were able to work with Pastor Ron, but um, I thought it, I'm going through such a transition and I'm approaching 50 quickly. I turned 50. But now I'm at 50 and I'm, I'm asking myself, I've got the second half of life to live. And like, so what do I want to do with the second half of life? I've learned a lot of what doesn't work in the first half. I'd kind of like to get some things right in the second half of life. That's how it works, right? You try to like go, maybe I can correct some of this stuff and get this right for a change. So I, I sat down with Ron and, and uh, he began to listen to me. And it was a, a six-month process where he took me through and listened to me, listened to my life. He listened to some of the stories that I was telling And as I was talking with Ron and telling him my stories, I kept coming up with phrases um, as we, there was like a consistent pattern where I would use the word failure, uh, mistake, like what a waste, like that was a waste of my time and a waste of my energy. And um, he kept bringing me back to the idea and the concept that we serve a God who doesn't waste anything. It's not like, it's not like God looks at our stories in the past and goes, yeah, I can't work with that. I mean, you, you really... (laughs) 
you really, you really made a mess of things. Like, I can't work with this. And I, and I don't think God operates that way. I don't think God is limited by our goofs. I don't think God is, is, his hands aren't tied when we make a mess out of things or we try to screw our own lives up. Because if you're like me, you've attempted to screw up your own life in some way. And yet, here we are. We're here. It's 2019. We made it. Congratulations. And we're breathing and we're alive. And we woke up this morning and we were able to get here. But as I was going through that, and, and he kept bringing me back to Jonathan, God, that's not a waste. That, I, I, I would, don't look at that as just a failure. Look at that as an opportunity for you to grow and evolve and change and be transformed. Uh, don't, don't look at that as a waste. Don't look at that as, as a mistake. Look at that and how God might be using that in your life to shape who you are as a person. And as we began working through that stuff, I thought, you know, it's important for me to name the stuff that I did, especially like when you hurt yourself or you hurt others, it's important to name that and to own that and to claim that. Like, yeah, I did that. But then to stay there is actually tragic, just to stay kind of in that muck. There's, there's got to be more. There has to be something else where that story that you're telling yourself gets turned into something else. And I think that's what Paul is doing here in Ephesians. I think he's taking stories and he's turning it into something else and he's pointing us to something significant that happens in Christ. And what I love about Ephesians chapter one is that the question that I see in this chapter is that what is God doing we perceive as waste or we perceive as failure or this, this mishap or this flub or I'm not getting it right. And what I think Ephesians is inviting us to do is to wake up to something that's much deeper and significant that God can take even this and turn it into something. And we have no idea what that's going to be until we live at a certain point and we look back at our lives and we, and we can see a pattern where God was able to take something and go, I can work with this, I can work with this, I can work with this, and even this. What is God doing? How is God shaping and forming us through all of it? All of the mishaps and the circumstantial stuff that we're always being formed and shaped. And what I think Paul does that's so significant here in Ephesians is that he, he, he begins with a significant starting point by telling us uh, something about God. And I think it's really important to understand that how we see and how we understand God, how we view God, is how we see, understand, and view just about everything in life. I don't see it, I don't see it as disconnected. I think it's all connected. That how we see it, how we understand God. And I'm not talking about the ways in which you talk about God here among this family, but when you get alone. Or you're in a place where you can just be completely open and vulnerable and honest that there's difficulties in the midst. How we talk about God says a lot about how we see and talk about everything around us. And what I love about Ephesians is that Paul begins from this platform and he's inviting us to leap from this place every day. And he uses these big words. He says, hey, just to remind you, I want you to understand that we are blessed in Christ right now. Not not we were blessed once and we'll never be blessed again. It's like, no, he's in the business of blessing us right now. He can't help himself. And then it says that God chose us before creation, that even before the earth was formed and before things began spinning into action, he chose us before all of that began to unravel. And that not only does God redeem us, God is in the business of redeeming us right now, which should give you great hope. That even when your life, it seems like, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to spin or how this is going to work. God is redeeming that, even that. That stuff is being redeemed and he's turning it into something beautiful. 
But then he takes it even deeper and he reminds us, God forgives us. God is a God who forgives and pours out on us forgiveness and then God gives us grace. It's like God has so much grace he doesn't know what to do with all of it so it just comes spilling out all the time. It's like the cup just keeps overflowing. I don't know what's going on with this thing but it's spilling out on people and I only wish that people would open themselves up and receive this because I have so much to give. I wanna pour it out on all of you and on all of creation. So God lavishes at all this stuff. He doesn't spare any expense And like I said, I think how we talk about God is how we talk just about everything. And it greatly affects how we see reality. And yet, I continue to meet people over and over again who talk about God in such heavy ways. Heavy, heavy stuff that we carry around, like um, God's holding a grudge against us and against the people that we hold grudges against. That somehow um, God's disappointed with me and in me. Does that spin in your head? He's disappointed. I'm not getting it quite right. Never quite sure where we stand with God, so we had better make sure that we're getting it right. There's all this fear that drives our inner stories, and we're afraid of of losing connection with life. And Paul begins his letter, and he gives us an image of God that might or might not line up with the stories that we're telling ourselves, because God is telling us a story that's real, and inviting us to wake up to that story, and then we're telling ourselves a story, and I wonder if God's story and our story is syncing up at all. Because when we read this stuff, we're not just reading a letter, we're not just reading uh, ideas or concepts, we're reading that which is most real and most true. It's like reality at its most raw. This is the life-giving stuff that we need to be permeating our minds and our hearts in, and Paul is inviting us to wake up to that. And what strikes me about Ephesians, if you read on in Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul doesn't tell anybody what to do. He simply reminds people who they are. Because I believe that when people already know who they are, you don't have to tell them what to do. They already know what to do. Because they launch from a certain place. They have this deep sense that God is up to something in our lives. So these deeper truths mark who we are as people. Then he gets to verses 9 through 10. And if you look on the back of your sheet, I put... On the bottom, I I printed it again, just in a different translation. These two verses, it says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. So like Paul is taking us from, this is what God is like to something deeper. And he says, there's something that happens in Christ and then there's something that's happening under Christ. In Christ and under Christ. And when Paul is talking about Christ here, he's not talking about this Jesus, just this Jesus who God dropped late in the game because humanity was screwing everything up and God thought to himself, oh my gosh, we gotta make this right. I'll bring Jesus into the mix to make sure we get it all correct. We're talking about this Jesus, this Christ who was there in the beginning of time, this bigger bigger Christ that was there in the beginning. Even John in his gospel, as he begins to write about the life of Jesus, John believes that Jesus is the full revelation of God. And he says in the beginning, chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word. He's talking about Jesus. And the word was God and the, and the word was with God. And he's talking about this Jesus who brings things into fruition, into completion. 
that Jesus was there in the beginning creating. So in the very fabric of the universe, in the very fabric of creation itself, all the energy and the matter and everything spinning around, Christ was there, Christ is there, and Christ always will be there. That's the bigger truth that's going on here. And what Paul is doing is he's inviting us to wake up to this deeper reality. So with that said, what I think is going on here is that what Paul is getting at is saying, listen, somehow in Christ and under Christ, all of the broken, fragmented pieces that seem disconnected and random, that don't seem like they make much sense because they keep happening over here, and we're not quite sure how the whole thing works out because we're only halfway through the story, and yet we look back and we see broken, fragmented pieces that seem random and disconnected, and that somehow in Christ they're coming together and they're weaving and shaping and forming you into this person that God created you to become. And all those things are opportunities for us to grow and to shape and be formed and not to see them as failures and mistakes, but opportunities for us to open ourselves up to the deeper truths that Christ is bringing into our lives. So in other words, what's happening in Christ is that all of it somehow is gonna get summed up. I don't know how it's going to happen, but when I look back at my story, I see a pattern. I see what God has been doing up to this point. So when I say, I came into Hillside stumbling into Hillside. I really mean that. It was a painful transition for us. And what we walked through, and then God brought me here and said, here, Hillside, you get this hot mess. (laughs) And now I'm here. But I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm here. And I'm breathing. And I'm okay. Somehow, I'm okay. I'm here. Paul uses this term, he talks about something happening in Christ and everything is going to be summed up and I think what he's getting at is that somehow in Christ he's going to recapitulate or he's going to begin to retell the stories of the past that you saw as mistakes and waste and they're going to be retold through Jesus somehow. And he uses this term that somehow in Christ it's all going to come together, it's going to be unified, There's going to, he's going to bring unity to it through the mystery of this Christ And this is actually a mathematical term used by the Greeks describing how things actually come together. So I want to do a little bit of math with you this morning. So I'm going to throw out some numbers. And if you want to use your calculator on your phone, you are permitted to do so. But for those of you who are math whizzes in the room, I'm wondering if you'll be able to get this. Here's the numbers. Are you ready? 400, 5, 20, 50, 25. If you want to use those on a lotto ticket tonight, be my guest. 405, 20, 50, 25. Now, do those numbers mean anything to you? They're random, insignificant numbers, don't make a lot of sense. If I just read a list of numbers, they just seem like those numbers don't mean anything to me. If you take these numbers and you plug them into a mathematical equation, they actually sum up and become something. So we're going to do some math. Here we go. 400 divided by five. Everybody in the room's with me? You got that one, very good. Times 20. 400 divided by five times 20. Divided by 50. Minus 25. What's the answer? Oh my gosh, who said seven? Did you, did you do that on your phone? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like... I'm like, if you just crack that out right now, I was going to run down there and give you a hug. You know, 
Thank God, thank God, you use your calculator. I don't want that guy coming down here and giving me a hug. That's amazing. All right, so seven. Did anybody do it, like, in their head? You got, a few of you got it in your head. Fantastic. Congratulations. Well done. Very good. So what seemed like random disconnected numbers, when you put them into an equation, they actually make sense. Seven. You're like, oh, seven. I know seven. Seven's good. Seven's a great number. And I think what Paul is doing is he's inviting us to wake up to this reality that all of the random, seemingly disconnected, fragmented, broken pieces are somehow coming together in Jesus Christ, plugged into this equation, and they're going to get summed up and equal something really cool. Seven. <laughs> like, like your life is a great, big, glowing seven. It's just like you look at it and you go, I didn't, I didn't think that was coming. I didn't see that happening. But my goodness, how God was able to work with that. Because, man, I gave him a doozy to deal with there. And somehow it didn't tie his hands behind his back and go, I can't work with that. I don't know what you've done here. This is a flip-flopping mess. I don't know if I can handle this one. And God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite mystery and beauty was able to take it and go, I can work with that. It all came to a head. God is up to something in Jesus right now. It's not like God is saying, well, maybe I can work with that in the future or maybe when we get everything right. It's like, no, 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 I can do it right now. Now, I want you to think for a moment how we tell stories. What makes a story good? Um, If you tell a story and you leave out all the hard parts and the broken parts and the difficult parts, is the story interesting? Not really. Think about the movies we love, the narratives that we like, that we're attracted to. Did you see that story? I mean, that, that, oh my gosh, what a mess. And then somehow, somehow, even in the midst of that, they, they kept going. Like, they just kept moving forward. They kept working through. And those are the stories that just, like, we grab onto and we're like, ah, that, see, that seems like a familiar story. So Shannon and I were at a dinner party a couple of months ago, dinner party number one. And we're gathered around this table, and we didn't, like, we kind of know some of the people at the table, but you know when you go into a dinner party, you're kind of like, I don't really know how this is going to go. But the conversation actually went like this. People started talking about all their successes. And I was like, I'm really bored. (laughs) Like, everybody's successes, and they're just winning at life. You know these people? Like, they just win. You're like, I I win. Another one, I win again. And you're like, that's not my story. I I can't relate. I don't know what you're talking about, this winning thing. I win. And not that we want to celebrate. We like want to celebrate good things when they happen. But it was like the whole thing just became into one big brag sesh. And I was like, what? What? And so our friend Chris was there. And he says, under his breath to us, he says, man, I I think I need to get a more interesting life. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So that's, that's, that's sometimes how we tell stories. But then we had dinner party number two at the Wolner House in Benicia. And um, it was a group of guys, some from here, some from uh, Open Door Church, and we got together to celebrate my 50th birthday. And Nicholas Hammerling was there. Are the Hammerlings in the room? Like, mom and dad, God bless you. Yes, Alexander, God bless you. You've produced, oh, we got a third? We got Christian Hammerling in the back. Many a, many a hammerling. Oh, Nick! Oh, my gosh! <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know you were back there. So sorry. Um, is it okay if I tell this story? <laughs> is that cool? 
Talk to me, bro. Is it okay? All right, good. <laughs> so, so Nicholas Hammerling, he's, he's just this fascinating individual. I mean, Nicholas um, tells stories that are so gripping, but you know what makes him so gripping is he doesn't leave out all the bad stuff. And Nicholas started telling us about some of his dating excursions. <laughs> and it was, it was so good. And all of us around the table are just like, oh my gosh, tell us more. And we're laughing and we're joking with one another. And what Nicholas did is he opened up this discussion for all of us to share each other's stories. And what he did actually paved the way. He didn't leave out the funny, humiliating stuff. He brought it all in and everybody at the table was like glued to the conversation. Isn't that interesting? We started at six o'clock. Before we knew it, it was midnight. Six hours of us talking about life, theology, God, I mean, all of it. We were just like this, and we were just tossing it in, and it was like none of us wanted it to be over. It was midnight, and a couple of guys got calls from their wives. Where are you? And we were just having so much fun, we didn't want it to end. Have you ever had those moments? And, and very often times when we have moments like that, at dinner, it's because we're just talking about real stuff. We're talking about the struggles. We're talking about openness. We're talking about the things that are hard. We're not leaving any of it out. It's all there. And it was all there in that discussion. It was like we stepped out of the time continuum for just a period of time to where we were just like caught up in this thing. We were truly like in the moment, enjoying story after story. And I thought about my timeline and, and working with Ron in my own journey and hearing people's stories and all the broken, fragmented pieces. And I'm beginning to see how God is taking all of that stuff that I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do with that, but I name it, I own it, I claim it. I don't know what to do with that, where I just hurt that person. I don't know what to do with that. And all of that somehow is integrated and it's producing this, this thing, me. And, I've, and I find the more I, I look at that and think, man, God is shaping and forming me it helps me to understand me a little bit more to kind of go, oh, that's why I'm that way. That, that's why I understand things that way. I want to be vulnerable with you for a moment, if that's okay. And um, a little over 10 years ago, we, uh, well, it's, it's, gosh, it's been longer than that. 2001, we planted a church in a Manhattan Beach, California, down in Los Angeles. Um, 2001 began and that was a difficult journey, hard road. But in the middle of it, somewhere along in the middle of it, I started to have a faith crisis. I started, I started losing my faith. I'm a minister. Like, that's the one thing you're supposed to kind of get right. And I'm having this, like, secret crisis inside, going, I've, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it anymore. So I began leaning into some really hard questions. I began having some significant weighty doubts. And I found that I, I couldn't have these discussions with lots of people, but there were a few people that I could lean into and say, hey, um, this is what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Please tell me I'm not crazy. And it's scary when you've grown up a certain way and you've been taught a certain thing and you have everything kind of lined up and it's like there's all this order and then it begins to kind of break apart. And you're like, this isn't, this isn't working for me anymore. It's not making sense. And here I am getting up every Sunday and I got to preach, right? And I'm struggling. I'm having a really hard time in my personal life. 
There was one Sunday, uh, it was Easter Sunday, which is kind of a big deal. And Easter Sunday, I was living with this tension. I mean, it was before this, but I was even questioning the resurrection. And I thought, I don't, I don't know if it literally happened. So those are like really like, I'm even afraid to say that to you now. But it was so hard for me to like lean into that question. So I called a friend and I said, hey, it's Easter Sunday. This is where I'm at. What do I do? Oh, he's like, oh, you're screwed. No, (laughs) he didn't say that. But he did say, he did say, tell me more. And he began to pull things out of me. He says, Jonathan, what, what do you believe in? So I began talking about the things that I still valued, that I still was holding on to. And he says, okay, I'm hearing a lot of really good life in there. And he says, talk about that. Talk about the things that you're like, at this stage of your life, you kind of know about and talk about that. And because I wasn't kicked out of the tribe, because I wasn't like told, you know, you're done, you're out. I was able to work through it with people that cared about me and loved me and didn't see it all as broken and fragmented, but saw God's hand working in my midst. I'm now in a position and a place where I live with great tension inside, but resurrection means something a whole lot more to me than just something that happened 2,000 years ago. I do believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe it. But I believe it now. Like, I believe it. I believe it, but now I believe it. I <laughs> I know about it, but now I know about it. It's like I could have described chocolate cake my whole life without ever tasting it. Till I put that thing in my mouth and tasted it, I couldn't tell you what it tasted like. But to taste it, or to say, no, no, I don't want it, but then to taste it, to take the food and put it in my mouth going, oh, chocolate, chocolate cake's amazing. Everybody needs to eat chocolate cake. It's amazing. Because <laughs> I tasted it. And because I was given the space and a time to be able to go, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't know. And it, what amazed me about the journey is that God never stopped pursuing me. I'm like, I don't even know if you exist. And you keep coming after me. You're like proving yourself to me. Why are you doing this? Stop it. And he kept coming and he kept pouring and he kept lavishing forgiveness and love and acceptance on me. And I was like, okay, you win. You're amazing. You keep coming after me and putting people in my life and you're not condemning me and you're not pushing me out. You just keep bringing me in closer. Who are you? He's like, I can't help it. I just lavish grace on everyone. I don't discriminate against anyone. I just lavish grace on people. I bless. I chose you before the creation of the universe. I saw you. I know you. I love you. I'm with you. And even if you don't believe in me, I believe in you. What do you do with that? And God met me in that space. So now when I tell that story, I don't carry shame. I don't carry guilt. I don't carry that stuff anymore. I I still deal with guilt and shame in other areas, trust me. But with that one, I can tell the whole story because it's like I've seen where God has brought me and I've seen what Christ has done. And when we sing the song, the resurrecting king is actually resurrecting me, that actually means something. It's not just a song. It's like, no, 
This God is resurrecting me. Somehow I'm still coming alive. I'm still waking up. I'm still stepping into something deeper than what I can fully understand. God is still with me working in the midst of even this. He's working even with this. And the part, I mean, part of the reason why I think we just, we grab onto stories of failure um, for the ones who are criticized for stepping out. You know those people? The ones who are like, I'm stepping out and I'm gonna take it in the jaw. And we just kind of go, why did you do that? It's amazing to us. Those who have failed financially, who had serious addiction issues, and yet somehow they were able to get up in the morning and take one step in the right direction. That's probably the best that they could do, but they did it. And it's amazing to me. Those are the stories that inspire us. I remember asking a friend years ago, a good friend of ours by the name of Carrie George. Carrie's now in her 70s. She's one of those people that is so centered. She's centered, she's confident, She's, she's got like grace and peace and she just is infused with God's love. And I'm thinking, I said, Carrie, how do you become like that? You know what she said? Uh, be careful what you ask for. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to become that great. But how do you get there? Because I'm here and I'm wondering how you get there. You don't gossip, you don't slander, you don't judge, you don't, you just get caught up in all the minutia that we get caught up in. How'd you get there? A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of loss, but she kept going. And this beautiful, poised, grace-filled woman who's very quick to admit when she's missing the mark, very quick to say, yeah, I live in the past. Many times I live in the future because she's just like the rest of us. I have a very difficult time living in the moment because I get caught up in so many different things. But I always come back to the center and I just rest in his grace because it's the only thing that holds me together. And I get it. Because all of it's being retold through Jesus. Somehow, all the stories in her life, all the stories in my life, all the stories in your life are getting retold through Jesus Christ. Somehow, even now. Like, he's recapitulating it, retelling it, um, and how God tells the stories, I wonder if God's version of the story and your version of the story are actually syncing up, realigning ourselves into this greater, bigger story. Because if we are honest, life is full of ups and downs. But for those of us who have lived a little bit longer in life, isn't it reality that life is mostly full of downs? That it's really hard? That things happen in a moment? You know, you like... you. <laughs> That, it's like that bill that keeps showing up in the mail. You're like, that stupid bill showed up again this month and then next month it shows up again. Like they had the audacity to keep sending me the same bill even though I'm not paying it. <laughs> it just keeps showing up and showing up and it's there. Or that person that you love gets cancer or that kid that has your heart in like no other way. They just keep making dumb choices. You got that kid, it's just like, oh, just when, 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 stop. And your heart as a parent is just wrapped up in that thing. And it all feels like confusion and pain and anger and worry and stress. And it's just like, it can be so overwhelming at times because it's there and it's real. But is there, is there a possibility that somehow even all of that can be retold through Jesus? Can it? Is there a possibility that God can do something with all my regret, all my anxiety, 
that I can't, like, I can't kick it sometimes. And I'm like you. Sometimes I just got to get up and I got to keep going, and it doesn't make any sense, but I just do it. And you move out into life, and you just get smacked, and you get pushed, and you get, I mean, it, it all comes at you, and it's just relentless sometimes. But somehow, somehow it's being retold through Jesus. I believe that. Because I see my story, and I see other people's stories, and I just think, oh my gosh, this is true. This is right and true. And even when I'm not faithful, you are faithful. Because you're a God who forgives, and you're a God who lavishes, and you're a God who knew me before creation. You just keep coming, and you keep coming, and you keep coming, and you're relentless. And so maybe, maybe this morning, instead of getting wrapped up in all of that, maybe we can choose joy. Maybe we get to choose joy in this moment. Maybe we get to choose to be honest and to be a compassionate friend. Maybe we get to choose to feel connected in life and creation. Or maybe you can't right now, and that's okay. But my encouragement to you and my invitation is you is don't give up. You can choose to get up. You can choose to take one step forward, and that maybe is the best that you can do. You can choose to open yourself up this morning and receive the gift that God has for you. He wants to lavish it upon you. God is retelling our stories. He's recapitulating our stories. And I've got my version and then I've got God's version. What I want to do is make sure that my version is lining up with God's version of my life. And I don't get wrapped up in this, in this incessant monologue that just goes on in my brain all the time. And I want to be renewed and I want to be redeemed and I want that to be reclaimed because I don't think God is done with any of us in the room. I don't think he's done with your kids. I don't think he's done with your future. I don't think he's done with any of it because that's not who God is. He's at work right now in your story, understanding right there with you, going, I got, I got that. I got your kid. I know. I'm right there with you. And I'm retelling it all through Jesus. And I think of the gift of Eucharist that we get to come to this morning and the cup that Jesus gave to his followers on the night where he knew I'm about to lose everything, but I want you to take this cup. This cup represents my blood. This cup represents the gift of life. Take and drink and receive the cleansing power of my forgiveness. It's for you. It's free. No strings attached. And then he takes the bread and he breaks it because we all understand about brokenness. We get it. Broken, fragmented pieces that seem disconnected and they're just tossed out on the floor and somehow in Christ he's able to take these things and say, let's, let's bring it all together. Let's, let's make something beautiful together. So when we take the bread and we take the cup, we're saying yes to an invitation. And when you come to the table, what you're saying to the table, what you're saying to Christ, what you're saying to the person on the other side is, I need grace. How about you? Do you need it? Because I need a whole heck of a lot of it. But when you come, receive the good gift of God's grace. That's, that's the invitation. So I'm going to ask the servers to come forward, and we'll have servers on our right over here and on our left, and we'll go row by row. So as you're coming forward, Come and receive the good gift of God's grace. And then Jane DeYoung, Pastor Jane, will be here in the center. And if you're not able uh, to come forward, raise your hand and Jane will come to you. And I'll leave you with these questions. I want you to think as you come forward, 
this morning, how, what story am I telling myself? And is there a way to retell the story through Jesus? What am I telling myself? What's the story I'm living in right now? And is there a way to tell it through Christ? As we come and receive the good gift of God's grace, please remember when you partake of the bread and the cup, what you are saying is you're making a public proclamation. I'm saying yes to Jesus and placing my life under his love, under his grace, and that I want to follow him wherever he asks me to go. If you're on a journey this morning, you're not quite sure. If you're like me at that point in my life where I was like, I don't know, it's okay. But if you want to come and you want to receive God's grace and you're like, this, this is something that you can come and say yes to and that Jesus will receive you with open arms and with his love and mercy. But it's important for us to know that when we take it, what we're saying is really, it really matters. It's important. It's not just an act. This is a sacred act and we're saying yes to Jesus. So I invite those of you who have not said yes to Jesus yet to come forward and say yes to Jesus and to begin that that lifelong journey of following him wherever he will lead, okay? So when you're ready, come forward.